Independence Day draws near, we wish you a happy early 4th. I'm Jeff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kelly. This is the Three Old Reds Fans Podcast, coming to you this time from Studio 84, just around the corner from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville and the birthplace of Bumpus Jones. As you could tell by the unfamiliar names and voices, I'm the only regular in studio today. Um, Tom and Kim are off on work trips this week. So today we are two old Reds fans and one very young one. Uh, In fact, we are three generations of Reds fans today. So Jim is Jim Gilbert, who's my dad, and Kelly is Kelly Gilbert, who is my daughter. So we thought we'd get together today and talk about old times and newer times and a little bit about what's going on with the Reds right now. But we're going to spend a lot of time in this edition of just talking about players we like and things we like and memories we have and and so forth. Um, Not really too scripted, but so we'll see how this goes. Should be fun. Dad, first thing I want to start with is what is your how long have you been a Reds fan? What, when can you think back to like, I knew who the Reds were when? I would say probably back to about 1945 or 46. Okay. I remember going to my, probably not my first Reds game, but I remember going to a Sunday doubleheader when they played the then New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sunday doubleheader. And I think my father and I were the only two out of the family that went. And the Reds won both games by the identical score. I believe it was 5-3. to three. Mm-hmm. And in between games, is my memory, I got down to the dugout uh, during the warm-up between games, and I got to shake hands with Leo DeRocher, <laughs> the famous manager once of the Giants, and I so, also believe once of the uh, Dodgers. Later of the Dodgers, right, yeah. Right. So that's the first memory. And this was at? Crosley Field. Good old Crosley Field. Which Kelly doesn't even know what didn't that really is. Didn't really ring a bell. Didn't really ring a bell. <laughs> she didn't know what that was. So, um, interesting about that double header. Double header. You ever been to a double header, Kelly? I don't think so. Am I forgetting something that no, I No, you haven't. That's the point. That's not something that they do they, anymore. They don't do it anymore. Not exactly. very much. Only the only time they ever do it is if they have to make up a game. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason they do it anymore. So, but that was a common Sunday thing, right? Absolutely. Just about every Sunday, most teams played a doubleheader, and they were both nine-inning games. Yeah. Regulation, nine innings. Yeah. So, what, your first game, Kelly, what do you remember? My first Reds game, um, we were with Grandma and Grandpa, if I'm remembering correctly. The first one I remember, we weren't living in Ohio yet. We had come up here to visit, and I'm... If I'm remembering correctly, we, they may have been playing the Diamondbacks. Okay. Because the first major league game I remember going to was in Arizona at a Diamondbacks game. And oh. then we ended up seeing them play again at the Reds game. I may have those backwards, but I do remember going to a game in Cincinnati. First time I remember when we were pretty young. Mm-hmm. At Great American. At Park. Great American, yeah. Right. Do you remember any Reds that were on those teams? That's back, That's when, back that, when I was pretty young. Pretty young. And at now, that time, well, not Griffey, Griffey Jr. would have been playing. Okay, cool. So that, that, that's that era mm-hmm. uh, when Griffey Jr. Was, was back with the Reds. Um, Since you mentioned Griffey, 
course, preceding him was his father, Ken yeah. Griffey Sr. Yeah, yeah. And I can shed this little bit of information. I know from where I worked that when Ken Griffey was a rookie, his salary was $18,000 a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His son made a little more than that. <laughs> right. It was a different time, different era. Different, yeah, yeah. So that's the story about Griffey. And that Great. would have been, rookie year would have been, what, 72, 73 maybe? Long in there, right. Yeah. Right. The first time I remember really actually getting into baseball as like being a Reds fan, I think it was the first summer we lived in Ohio, and it was Mike Leake's first game pitching as a rookie. Okay, this would have been summer late? Well, no, this would have been early... We moved here late 2010. This would have been early 2011 no, season. We moved here late 2009. Oh, you're right. So it would have been early 2010 season. Yeah. And Mike Leake, who never pitched in the minors, and we were watching the game, and here, here's this guy coming out of college, making his major league debut, never pitched in the minors. So For, I, rem- yeah. I remember that game. I remember that game pretty well. Okay, and then, of course, he's no longer a Red. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's no longer a Red. I mean, uh, as, feel a lot older knowing that I've been following this long enough that things like that are starting to happen. That somebody like, oh, I remember when they first started playing, and now they're Joey, off to Joey else. Votto might be the only guy left on the team from from, then? from 2010. Probably. I mean, that's that's the nature of well, not, it's not really just the nature of baseball. It's the nature of a lot of sports. Yeah. I mean, it just that's that's the way they go. I mean, they pretty much always have in a lot of ways. Um, more guys used to stick longer term with teams. Um, but, you know, you, you'll think about a guy from the 30s or 40s, you're like, oh, he played for this team. Well, then you look him up, and he played for four teams. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes later in career they get moved around or they came up somewhere and got traded. So that doesn't change a whole lot. So Just like the great Frank Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> I remember his rookie year. Yeah. I watched that opening game. It was on television. And I remember them talking about this young Frank Robinson who played out in left field. Well, he went on his rookie year to hit 38 home runs, mm-hmm. 1956. Yeah. And, of course, he had a great, what, 10, 11-year run with the Reds. And right. then, <laughs> worst trade ever, right? Right. And he's in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. Went on and won a, an MVP in the American League with the Orioles oh, and cool. beat the Reds in the 1970 World Series right. as a member of the Orioles. And so uh, that came back to haunt him quite a bit. Yeah. And it still goes down as one of the worst baseball trades ever because they really didn't get very much for him that, it, that panned out at all. And That's he, what happens to small market teams. They don't have the cash. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. It does. It still does. Um, it's hard to, to hold on to that for a long time. Um, okay, great. Well, I want to just take a second here and just sort of talk a little bit about what's going on with the team right now as we usually do on this podcast. Um, this week we've seen uh, the Reds starting rotation start to look like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. We got Homer Bailey back. He didn't pitch very well. He couldn't even get out of the second inning the other day, but he's only pitched about nine games in the last two years because of the of the arm surgeries he's had. Um, but he uh, some batters I thought he looked really good against. Like he, he struck out Bryce Harper a couple once or twice. He looked – uh, he looked good a couple, a few other times, and then some other guys. It was like, oh, he was leaving the ball way too much over the plate, and they were hitting shots off of him. So he's he's going to take some time. It's going it's going to come, and he'll be good. Uh, will he ever be that number one shutdown ace as good as Johnny Cueto was? As good as you know, go back as a Don Gullet type was in the seventies. 
Mario Soto in the 80s, who played on terrible teams, but was really good. The Reds haven't, the Reds have never had a Cy Young Award winner. They've had some guys come close. But this, you know, can he be that? Don't know. And then Luis Castillo, who they got in the Dan Straley trade last year from the Marlins, uh, is looking more and more like a good trade. Uh, he pitched on, um, on Friday and threw five or six innings, gave up a couple runs, got a couple good defensive plays to help him out. But he he looked like a good pitcher. Chris Welsh was calling, calling the game on TV, and and, and he um, he really likes his delivery, really likes the stuff he sees from, from Castillo. Um, came up from double A, and sounds like he's going to stay. And he walked more guys than he had been in the minors, but things are different in the majors. Strike zone gets a little smaller. The hitters are better. <laughs> you get a little – you try to be a little too fine. You're trying to like, oh, that's, you know, that's Bryce Harper. That's Ryan Zimmerman. I, I got to be careful. Of course, you got Zimmerman to hit into a couple double plays um, in key situations in that game, which were really, which were really big. Um, I liked his mental toughness. He really seemed like a bulldog out there. You know, you know, Dad. Can you think of a? You think back, Reds pitchers. Tom Browning. Browning was a bulldog. Right. <laughs> he didn't have great stuff. Right. He didn't have no hit stuff. Guy threw a perfect game. So what, when you saw Browning pitch, what, what did you, why did you think he could win a game? Well, I think when I saw him pitch, I was thinking back to when he had won some games. And he gave up runs, but the Reds had a good hitting team, I believe, if I remember correctly. Well, he was on the World Series team in 90, so. Right. So, yes, I, he was tough and a bulldog, like you said. Yeah, and you, get, and you could get and you in. You could see that on the mound. He, you could see that he was determined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's, in, he's part of the pitching, coaching staff with the Reds right now. He's been, he was in Dayton the last two or three years coach, being pitching coach um, in single A, and he's still involved. And it's good that guys like that are around. You know, the guys that, the guys that really are good for a long time, they're talented. Right. But they got it upstairs. Sure. And they got desire more than most guys, and you, you see that. So, good Browning. That's a good. That's a good one. I had. I wasn't. I don't know if that's the first name that come to my mind, but you're right. He he was that way. He would not give in. So, um, and then the other things going on with the pitching staff is Finnegan starting today. We're we're recording this on Monday afternoon, just before Finnegan Brandon Finnegan makes his return from the disabled list. And I think he's that kind of guy too. Mm-hmm. I think he's a determined, really wants to be good and really works out there. Um, and he's young and I think he was, he was pitching real well at the beginning of the year and then he, then he, he got hurt and hadn't gone on the disabled list for what a while. What is his record now? Uh, what do you win? A couple games to start the year maybe, something like that. But his ERA was under three. All his other numbers look good. Um, well, the way the way the Reds hit, if he can keep that ERA, they'll win some. Oh, win some games. Yeah, he will. He absolutely will. Um, and I think, um, and he's a part of this rebuild the guy they got in one of the, in some of the trades that they've done the last couple of years. Um, the other guy that's interesting, and I think he's this way too, is Scott Feldman, who they kind of picked up this year. He's been around for several years in his early thirties, pitched for different teams. Never been a. He's always been that four or five starter in a rotation. Uh, pitched and done some relief work, but that guy has been their most consistent pitcher this year, as bad as the rotation's been. You know, people talk about, oh, that Reds team, those big red machines, they didn't have very much pitching. Well, they had pretty good pitching. Yes, they did. It was better than it got credit for. If you look at the numbers, 
they were three, four, five in the league in ERA when they were good in the early 70s. They were always one of the top three or four rotations and pitching staffs in the league. The offense overshadowed them so much. The Hall of Famers in the lineup, the Roses and Benches and Perez and all those guys just overshadowed them. But this rotation's been really bad this year. But it's nice to see this sort of coming into form. You know, and Feldman's making a case to stay in it even next year, I think. They might trade him. They might go with some younger guys. It depends on what younger guys come along. But I, if he keeps pitching like he has been, I'd be comfortable with him being a four or five guy going into next year. Um, the other interesting thing been going on is Scooter Jeanette. Um, the big four-homer game he had, you know, first time in Reds history, guy hits four home runs. Yeah. It was incredible to watch that night. And, and then yesterday – um, they finally got a game from the Nationals, and he had three or four hits in that game. He made a great relay throw, uh, made another big play. Uh, just you can't get him enough at bats. Cozart's going to come back off the DL possibly late this week, and Cozart's having an all-star season. He's leading the vote, uh, shortstops in all-star voting right now. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Scooter because Cozart's going to come back. Peraza moved back to second, but Scooter's been playing second base every day while Cozart's out. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. I and mean, he's still a young guy. He could be a big part of the future of this team. Um, he's more than a utility guy, mm-hmm. but he's sort of been that guy. But he's his numbers are ridiculous. He's got the highest slugging percentage on the team right now. Wow. And, you know, he's just been really good. So, you know, the middle infielders are – they're not really uh, – defensively, they're kind of a dime a dozen sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. But finding a guy with a good bat there – is, is difficult right and, and of course we've we've seen over the years the Reds have have had that we've we've had Hall of Famers I mean we had Morgan we had Larkin who else speaking of um, the way things ha- are happening now you've heard the expression the more things change the more they stay the same absolutely I'm go- I can go back to the 1955 Reds okay mm-hmm. Wally Post what do you have uh Home, run, home runs, 40. Yeah. Uh, Ted Klazuski at the same time in 1955. Uh, I believe, yeah, he had 47 home runs. The Reds had a losing record. Why? Pitching. Pitching. <laughs> exactly. Right. Because right now, you've got Shebler's at 20, Votto's at 20, Duvall will get over 20. Mm-hmm. Scooter might if he plays enough and keeps hitting. Suarez is a guy. They could have four or five. I don't think they've ever had more than – I looked this up the other day. I don't think they've ever had more than four guys hit 20-plus. They could have five guys do it this year, at least four, <laughs> and have a losing record. Sure. Because you got to have everything. Right. Great pitching doesn't guarantee you success, but you can't really have it without it, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, you got to have all the phases, right? And they've, they've got all the phases except the starting, but – you know, we'll see what but happens. That's, that's been the history of the Reds, but yeah. if we're fair, it's the history of a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have pitching. Yeah, yeah. Now, it seems like the Dodgers have always had pitching. Yeah. You can think of a lot of great pitchers for the Dodgers. And the Reds have had some great ones, but... Dodgers always have more. Right. <laughs> right. You know, they, they didn't just have Koufax. They had Koufax and Drysdale. Right? Newcomb. Newcomb. Right. They didn't just have Fernando. They had Hershiser. Right. <laughs> and I believe Hershiser is the one that beat out Joey Jay for the uh, Cy Young Award one year. 
Joey J. Joey J. Was Danny it, Jackson. Danny Jackson. Well, no. I thought it was Joey J. Joey J is older than Hershiser. Okay. You're, but, th- you're going back farther. Yeah. He's probably to a different guy. Back too far, probably. <laughs> Except that... Because Joey J is before my time. Some, uh, someone else, some other... And I think it was a Reds pitcher that was in the lead for the Cy Young, we thought. And then Hershiser had this insane string of scoreless it, it, innings. It was Danny Jackson. At the end of the year... And he ended up with the Cy Young. Yeah, they had the. They both went like twenty three and eight. The ERAs were similar, but what put him over the top was he had the he broke Drysdale's scoreless streak, right? And went to like sixty or so innings of scoreless baseball, and it moved him ahead. And he was a Dodger. Let's face it, Dodgers are more, um, you know, notable team so far, so, so to speak, in, in in baseball history. They're just a you know, a bigger name type of franchise. Well, they started on the East Coast, Brooklyn. Right. And that's that's where the emphasis is on East Coast and West Coast. Right, right. And they were great then. They've always been a factor. They've always been relevant. The Reds haven't always been relevant. (laughs) But but back in 1955, which was a good year for me, that's the year I got out of high school. Mm -hmm. And so Ted Klaususki, 47 home runs, 113 RBIs, 192 hits, Batted 314. Yeah. Um, Wally Post on that same team. I'll talk about Wally Post in a different light in just a minute, but in 55, he had 40 home runs, 109 RBIs, 186 hits, batted 309. So you can see that year with Klazuski and Post, they had a lot of power and they were on base a lot. They had good batting averages. Mm -hmm. But Wally Post came to the Reds shortly before the 1946 season as a free agent. He was 20 years old. Um, big kid, 6'1", 190 then. Mm-hmm. Which as was I big. remember him, he seemed much bigger than that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, there's bigger guys now. Right, and sadly, Wally Post only lived till the age 52. Oh, really? He died in 1982. Mm. But his fielding percentage was second in the league in 1955. Uh, and he played, what, where did he play? Right field. He played right field. Yeah. His fielding percentage was 978. And again, in 1956, he had 36 home runs. Talking about Klazuski, he had four straight years of over 100 RBIs, 1953 through 1956. Mm-hmm. A Reds legend. Yeah, he is. He is. So is that, when you go back, when you think back, is that, when you think, who are my favorite early Reds? Is that, those are the guys? I would say so. Yeah. Johnny Temple. Second baseman. Second baseman. But when you're talking about production, yeah, you love offensive it. production, you've got to talk about post and Klususki. Those are the guys you paid money oh, to absolutely. go to see at Crosley Field. Right. And Klususki with his sleeves cut off, <laughs> not just to show off, but his arms were so big, the shirt sleeves were just too tight. Yeah. So he had to cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking in, in terms of World Series that we've seen, Kelly hasn't seen any victories. I've seen three. You have technically seen four, although you only remember three because the first, the one would have been in 1940. Well, we we attended one World Series game, remember, against the Red Sox? Yeah, 1975. Louis Tiant beat the Reds. Beat the Reds. And that game four, Reds came back and won the series. Um, and that's a, you know, that's a great memory, just being there that night and just to, to do that. I mean, I've still got the program somewhere and so forth. So what? back to you, Kelly, as far as favorite, what, thinking about your favorite player. Who's been? Who's been? Who? Who did you gravitate toward and really like? Um, well, there's been a couple I would say I gravitated toward, but overall, um, probably go towards Brandon Phillips. Um, just 
the charisma, the plays. Like I would, if there was ever anything popping up on my phone that was a highlight that I happened to miss, that was Brandon Phillips make some sort of amazing stop or save. I'm watching that and I'm yeah. replaying it and I'm showing it to people. Like, look, isn't this awesome? <laughs> it's just so much fun to watch. And when he got traded this past, it was this past year. Yeah, right? before this season. Yeah. One of the first things I thought was, man, I'm gonna miss him and Joey piling around out there making plays together and just seeing that and just, you know, when I think of like. A leader for the teams that I've seen that I've gotten to live through that's who I think of and always fun to watch um I enjoyed going to games when um he happened to be playing I think I remember going one time where he was not playing and I was very frustrated <laughs> by the fact that he wasn't going to be <laughs> yeah, playing that happens that game. sometimes um but yeah it was he would he's definitely up there I mean I enjoyed Billy Hamilton too um I enjoyed the Final year that we had Todd Frazier, um, seeing him win the home run derby mm-hmm. was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably my go-to would be Brandon Goldie. Yeah, I mean he's he's been so much. He was so much fun, and he's having a good year with the Braves. Right. I mean the Reds traded him because they said, "Look, we gotta we gotta develop some younger guys. You're not gonna play every day." Yeah. And Brandon said, "I can still play every day. I'm 37 <laughs> years old, but I can still play every day." And he's really doing. He had two walk-off hits for the Braves this week. Right. So. He he's still getting it done and yeah I I've never seen anybody more dynamic more flashy with the glove make greater plays at second base than that guy mm-hmm. and the Reds have had good second I mean Joe Morgan was a tremendous second baseman Pokey Reese was a good second baseman we talked about him a couple of weeks ago um, you know Ronnie Oster was a good second baseman that Brandon just creative I'd say he's creative yeah. you know he, creative. he can he can do it with a flair but still in so much control yeah. That's just so cool to watch. Right, makes it look easy mm-hmm. as we, you know, with the, as the great ones do. So, um, so sort of favorite Reds and so forth. You know, I've had plenty. You know, Pete Pete Rose, my favorite Red of all time. Um, that's me growing up. I just uh, a guy who just defined how to play the game. Which I'll, while we're talking about him, our trivia question last week was, what Reds player was voted. To five different starting positions in the All Star game. Really? And that's Pete. Pete Rose. Yeah. Second, but can you name him? No, I can't. <laughs> Think about it. Well. Okay. I'm sure first base, second base, third base, third base, right field and left field, right field and left field. Okay. Because he, mm-hmm. you know, he's came up as a second baseman. True. And then Tommy Helms came along and moved to the outfield. Outfield. That's right. That's right. Moved to the outfield. Right. And then George Foster came along. <laughs> <laughs> and he was pretty good. <laughs> and they put him at third in like he learned a position in like two weeks. And one, then he played first when he was in his forties. Because one he was memory old. I have about Pete Rose is, you know, where salaries are today. Yeah. And where they were when Pete was in his first few years in, with the Reds. He said at one time he would not quote I would like to be the first singles hitter to make a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah well, remember yeah. that yeah that was the thing he was the first hundred thousand singles hitter mm-hmm. can you believe that <laughs> and now the minimum way the minimum basically is about half a million dollars bullpen Jeez. catchers make that much <laughs> <laughs> they sure do they sure do that's a good one. now best let's go to you kelly best in-person game memory oh best in-person game memory um, there was one game that I got to go to 
where we won in 11. And it was me and a group of girls from school. And um, I remember Billy making some really good steals that game. I don't know if I can come up with a specific, like, oh, this moment happened. Um, but there was at least a home run. I think Duvall might have had a home run in that game. He was starting to um, show up a little bit more, play a little bit better. Um, and it ended up going late. And um, it was just one of the first times it wasn't like, oh, why is this ending? It was like, man, yes, extra baseball. It was just it was just so much fun. It was a good atmosphere that night. It was well, a when really Bi- good atmosphere that when night. When Billy's getting on base, the stadium buzzes. Oh yeah. Despite absolutely. Billy not getting on base mm-hmm. enough as we'd like, he struggles yeah. with that. Billy had a but, good game but, that night too. But when he gets on base, there's a buzz. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's always so much fun to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, Dad? Well, you might have to help me on this. Johnny Bench hit a home run late in the game. For the Reds win, and it was some sort of a record for home runs. Oh, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, we were there. He yeah. he broke Yogi Berra's record for most home runs ever by a catcher. That's what it's it was. three hundred. It's close. It's, it's less than four hundred. He doesn't hold the record anymore. Uh, I think Mike Piazza does. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I remember being there that night. Sure, that was exciting. Yeah, and the fact that it was a record, and I think my my mother, your grandmother, was with us. Oh. And boy, she just loved the Reds, and when she they, loved Johnny Bench. Oh yeah, when she went if she'd ben- been his age, she'd have she'd have married him, because <laughs> everybody wanted to marry Johnny Bench. When she went to bed at night, if the Reds were playing on the West Coast, you know the games were late, she would take her little portable radio and lay it by her pillow, and listen to the Reds until they finished playing at twelve or one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, every time they were there. Yeah, and I the can, next morning I'd say, "Well, tell me about the game," <laughs> and she could. She could, yeah. Awesome. And I can remember because uh, she, she would sit. She would. She moved in, and lived with us from the time I was what five years old, maybe. And and so, I grew up with that in the house of of, of a grandmother who just loved the Reds. She liked sports in general, mm-hmm. and she would watch anything, but she loved the Reds. And you'd be out doing something in the other part of the house. Back then, the games weren't on TV every night. Right. I mean, you'd get maybe 30 games a year you'd get to see on TV, something like that. And so she was listening to Marty and Joe. <laughs> and you'd hear her, woo! You'd hear this yell, and you'd go back and say, what happened, you know? And Ben, she had a home run, or or something like that happened. Or Tony. Or Tony, or somebody. And she was always excited, so... Well, I, you know, my my memories of going to Riverfront, I remember that night, Dad... I remember seeing Dave Concepcion hit one in the red seats at Riverfront one time. I remember when I played Little League ball, uh, the Sertoma Club was our sponsor when I was seven, eight, nine years old, and they would always have a Sertoma Day at the Reds games. And we would go, and we would they would we would be in uniform, and we we'd sat way up in the red seats, which were high and the cheaper seats. But before the game. We got down behind the in, underneath the stadium. Did you ever walk out with us? Uh, I don't think I did. Maybe once. Maybe once. So we would get behind us. We'd come out through. The, they'd open the outfield fence where they'd bring out the batting cage and all that stuff. And we'd come out and we would walk down the warning track and past the Reds dugout and out through behind home plate where the grounds crew would come out. And I got to do that like at least twice, maybe three times. 
And that was such a thrill. I can remember walking by the Reds' dugout. And was I'm that like, when Johnny Bench asked you for an autograph? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, he didn't. Oh no, that's a joke. I was like, what? No, not quite. But I can remember walking by the Reds' dugout. And so this was 19, this would have been like 72, 73, 74. And I can remember walking by the dugout and seeing those guys. I can remember seeing Joe Morgan sitting up on the, on the, up on the back of the bench in the dugout, watching us walk by, and probably bench and other guys. But I can specifically have this memory of Morgan sitting there watching us walk by, you know, and and he was a superstar, mm-hmm. and that that was I'll never forget that, um, you know. So I've been so many times. I just think of all the just think of all the times we went to Reds games because we'd go what four, five, six times a summer, right? When I was a kid, think of the Hall of Famers that we saw play there. There's the Reds, there's Bench, there's Morgan, there's Perez. I mean, there's Rose, who's not never going to be, but he's, but a, he Hall, he's a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. I think Dave Concepcion's a Hall of Fame player as well. Probably never get there. But think of the other guys we saw. Aaron. I mean, we went, you remember when Aaron broke the record, Babe Ruth's record, he hit a home run in Atlanta. Or no, he hit a home run on opening day in Cincinnati. Right. And we, I think we went the next day, or two, one of the next two days, and he didn't hit one. Um, he didn't want to play, and Bowie Kuhn said, no, you have to play, because he, he wanted to break the record in Atlanta. So they were playing two or three games in Cincinnati and then going to Atlanta. But we went to one of those, and then he went to Atlanta and then broke the record. So I remember that. I mean, I can McCovey. I can remember seeing the McCovey shift, in which they shift like crazy now. You know, the infielders move to one side or the other for a right-handed, left-handed hitter. And um, they would shift from McCovey. And I can remember saying, what are they doing? And you would explain it to me. Because that's what they did for Ted Williams. That, that's where it was born uh, when Ted Williams was, was playing. Lou Boudreaux started that shift when he was managing the Indians. And so that, um, Stargell. Um, Clemente. Clemente. Probably saw Clemente when I was young. Right. I mean, it would have had to be in like 70, 71 because he died – in 72, um, or maybe 72, um, probably saw him play. Uh, just a number of other guys. Don Sutton, I'm sure I saw Don Sutton pitch for the Dodgers there. We would go see Dodger games, and that was the big rivalry then. Um, and it's it's interesting to think about how far long ago that was. I'm watching the Reds and the Nationals this week weekend, and there's Davey Lopes coaching first base for the Nationals. Former Dodger. Looks Played second base for the Dodgers back then. Was the guy – we hated on the Dodgers because <laughs> right. he was mouthy yeah. about the rivalry. He was the guy we didn't like. And he was a rival of Joe Morgan's, and we loved Morgan. And he was like the next he was like the, the next best second baseman, but he wasn't Joe Morgan, even though he tried to act like he was. They were both good base stealers, but Morgan was better all around. And oh, Davey, you know, he's gray, certainly looks his age, trim, looks, looks like he could almost still play. Um, so just those memories are uh, just going to games and, and and getting to do that, sitting in all kinds of different places in the stadium, blue seats, red seats. We sat in those yellow club seats for that World Series World game. World Series game with Boston. Do you remember the guy? Remember when Tion was pitching? Do you remember the, the guy who was really loud in the stands that night? I'm not sure. Reds Because Reds scored some runs in that game. It was like a – I don't remember the score, but the Reds had a chance to win that game. They put was, some runs on the board. It may, may have been a one-run game. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, and he was like – Louis would get in trouble. And speaking of a guy who could be in the Hall of Fame who's not is Louis Tion. He had a really good long career. And he, um, this guy would, 
had this booming voice, and he would go, Adios, Louis. Every time, every time there, you remember that? Yeah, now that you say <laughs> it, I do. Guys would get, they would get guys on base, and he, the Reds would score a run, and he would, he would like, Louis's going to be gone. You, you, Johnny Cueto, mm-hmm. um, you know his, how his, his, his motion, how he turns, his back to the pung plate? Yeah. Louis Tian did that to an even greater degree. Oh, oh. completely. Completely turn his back, look straight at second base, and then turn into the pitch. Wow. It, that had to kind of give you a nervous feeling in the batter's box. Yeah. 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 It was deceptive. And then and, and Cueto adopted that um, early in his career with the Reds. So, um, Mike Marshall. Remember Mike Marshall? Sure. I reliever. Reliever for the Dodgers. Um, there was an old story about him um, breaking into a, to a stadium one time. To practice or do something, and he used a hacksaw to do it. <laughs> and we're at this game, and there was this guy, Mike Marshall, comes in the game. Is he's there? He's like the Dodgers closer, even if they didn't call him closers back then in the seventies. You remember him yelling hacksaw? Hacksaw. Hacksaw. It was just, you know, I'm a little kid. It was just funny. Yeah. You know? Well, that same game that I talked about earlier that I went to, and this is eleven innings of this. The lady sitting behind us with her group of friends, they were having a little too much fun. Every time Joey comes out to do anything, it's Joey Votto the whole entire night. And just like, who is that? That's my man, Joey Votto. And I can hardly hear his name now without hearing it like that in my head. Because the lady went on for 11 innings. Well, when I see Tion's name or a highlight or hear him talked about, I think of that night. I think about Mike Marshall whose name doesn't come up as much, but I think of that hacksaw thing. So, that's, that's memorable. It is. It is. So, I got some, we usually do trivia questions, Dad. What year did Crosley Field disappear due to floodwaters from nearby Mill Creek? Oh, boy. Was it in the 30s? Yeah. I'm going to guess 37. It was. year you were born. Whoa. How about that? that? <laughs> oh, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> You remember hearing about it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it, um, Crosley Field, which the outfield fence, there's a street right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, balls would be hit out there on the street. Which is now I-75. Yeah, is it pretty much? Right. Okay. Um, how many World Series did the Reds host at Crosley Field? Two. Um, okay, opened in 1912 to 1970. Mm-hmm. Although they didn't host the 70 World Series because oh. the Reds moved to Riverfront that season. So it would have been, it's four. Interesting, right? 1919, which was the famous Black Sox scandal year. 1939, they lost to the Yankees in four. Got swept, which you would remember. You were a couple years old. Oh. And then, of course, um, in 40, they beat the Tigers the next year. In, in seven games, which we referred to that one earlier. And then in 61, they played the Yankees in the series and lost in five. Lost. And that would have been Mickey Mantle and um, Maris. That was the year, that was the 61 year. And they lost to the to the Yankees in five that year. So I've got one more Crosby Field trivia question um, that we're not going to answer live here now. I'm going to wait and see if the other guys know this. If you know it, great, but we're going to, I'll, I'll let them know you knew it next week if, if you knew. What was the original name of Crosley Field before they named it after Hal Crosley? Do you have any idea? Was 
No, you can't say it because <laughs> I want to wait and see if the other guys know. So you, you, I have, you, no you have no idea. So that's our little one out there for people to think about if they're doing that. So we've talked about a favorite red, different eras, uh, any person memories. Um, one last thing. You, now, I've been told I went to Crosley Field once, at least once. Do you have any recollection of what year that was? I do not. I know one thing. It had to be after 1964. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think it was closer to the time it was it closed? May have been because we were going to the Reds games. Remember in 70, Riverfront opened. And we went that year? We went. Oh, yes. I remember walking in through the the aisleway where, where you first saw the field and that bright green AstroTurf and then the red... All the red colors yeah. around it was just breathtaking. You're right. I could still see it. Yeah. And, and back then we thought, wow, this is great. And now those types of stadiums get, you know, right. everybody's like, ah, oh, those are those old cookie cutter stadiums. We don't like them anymore. So now everything is made to look like the old stadiums, right? right. Like we said, the more things change, the more things change. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I've, this has been great. Enjoyed getting to talk about this. Um, any any last thoughts from anybody? No, except that uh, baseball has always claimed to be our favorite pastime. Uh-huh. How do you think it is today? Um, it's, I'll ask the question. It's baseball has become more a more regional sport. I think mm. it's it's not an it's not as national as it used to be. I think that's with um, all the other sports. The success of the NFL, baseball does not have the star power it used to have. You know, you don't have Mickey Mantle. You don't have Joe DiMaggio. You don't have Johnny Bench. You don't have Pete Rose. I think that's because of expansion. Expansion, um, and it's which has made it more regional, right? You know, there's Yankees fans all over the country because for a long time there weren't teams all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. Until the Dodgers moved to L.A., there wasn't a team west of St. Louis. Plus, I think it turns fans off a little bit. About the time they get to liking a superstar, he gets traded. Yeah, or he goes as a free agent somewhere. Right. And that hurts. You know, I've mentioned this on here before. Uh, there was a, some surveys done um, a couple years ago. I heard this, or last year or sometime, I heard this quoted somewhere, uh, where people were asked for athletes, recognizable, famous athletes. So the list generated the top most 50 famous athletes in the world. There's not a baseball player on the list. Wow. Like current? Current. Wow. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's... You don't have, like, Derek Jeter anymore. Well, yeah, there's no... Yeah, and Derek Jeter was as about as big a name... He was probably the most recognizable name there was. He played on all those Yankee World Series teams. You know, he was a great player, all that kind of stuff. You know, if I say to the average person, who's... You know who Mike Trout is? Mm -hmm. Some will know. Some won't. People consider him the best player in the game right now. Yeah. Do you know who Aaron Judge is? Okay, he's a rookie for the Yankees. He's hit 26 homers. He's 6'7", 280 pounds. He's, he's a beast. Um, he's 25 years old. Um, so that's the thing. It's like these new generation comes up, but it's become more regional. And I, it, it just has mm-hmm. for, some, for whatever reason. So. And I don't know why it is, but like my generation, for some reason, I feel like I'm the odd man out when I talk about enjoying baseball and being a baseball fan and yeah. not not even just going to games but like i'll sit and watch it on tv i'll be driving home from work and i know a game's on and i'll turn it on the radio mm-hmm. and i don't think that's very common no i don't know exactly of, why that is there's there's i mean there's examples of other people who do that but it's not 
as big a deal as it used to be. Right. And it just, there's a lot of reasons for that. They're trying, Major League Baseball is doing things. They're doing, they're reinvesting money in lots of urban areas to for ball fields and stuff. They do, the Reds have a community fund that does this. Mm-hmm. They're really trying to do that. The Reds just drafted Hunter Green, um, a 17-year-old African-American high school kid who, who has this, who wants to be like Tiger Woods wants to golf. He has this, and he seems to be mature beyond his years. He was the number two overall pick in the draft. 17-year-old kid consistently throws in the high 90s. Has topped out at 102 miles per hour on a, on a gun. I mean, is that, is, is that a kid who can recreate some interest? I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting how, mm-hmm. how it goes. But they still draw well. Yeah. They're still making money. I think the World Series this past year helped a little bit too because it was. It did. Cubs, Indians. That that you know that brought in casual fans. That that made things more interesting for a lot of people. Um, we won't have that every year. But to us old timers, really yeah. old timers. Yeah. When they started playing American National League during the season, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I still didn't. I know. Don't. No. Yeah. It does. I could care less. That takes when, all when the mystique out of the World Series. It for does. Me. It does. It it does. It hurt. It does do that. I mean, I you, never thought about that before. Yeah. It 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 does. It was always American National. Because all know. year long, if you were in the National League, you could argue the National League was the best. But as soon as they play and lose to an American League team, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's changed it for sure. So some people would say that's good. Brings in more fans. Some people would say, you know, oh, I like it the way it was. So there's arguments for both. So, well, anyway, as I said, um, really enjoyed doing this with you guys. And um, maybe we'll do something again down the road. Um, but for today, join us next time. And as far as I know, Tom and Kim will be back in Studio 82. Um, too bad for them that they don't get their summers off. <laughs> And they have to go to work sometimes, but here I am. And as we always say, go Reds.